So let's begin. Let's begin. Happy Purim. So what we're going to do, a little bit of like Purim in 60 minutes, Purim 60 seconds, should I say, in 60 minutes. Purim in 60 seconds, then another maybe three minutes in terms of practically what to do on Purim, just from a spiritual perspective and, and practical. And then let's go into the Kabbalah a bit. Let's go into the mysticism a bit. Let's blow your mind. We're really going to do some work on how to er eradicate um, doubt. How to eradicate doubt. Because that's a lot of the energy of what Purim is about. So if any of you suffer with being able to make decisions, struggling to make decisions, you've got worries on your mind, you've got areas where you don't have clarity, stay tuned, don't go anywhere. And then at the very end, we're going to blow you away with some crazy Esther codes where Esther had some prophecy about things that was going to happen 2,000 years later, which we're going to share with you. Proper evidence of some crazy, crazy, crazy Bible codes. So let's go. Practically, for those who don't know the Purim story, in 60 seconds, here we go. First of all, according to Kabbalah, it actually begins with the birth of Jacob, would you believe? The, the mystics explain the reincarnation of Yaakov and Esau, but Jacob and Esau, who was obviously born to, to, to Rebecca, the twins, when it says that Jacob bowed down to Esau seven times, one of the reasons we're taught he came back as Mordechai was this time not to bow down to Haman. So what I'm trying to say really starts with the very beginning, the embryonic roots and the DNA of anti-Semitism, where Yaakov and Esau, where Esau starts, is the first real anti-Semite. And then we have the first temple. We have Solomon's temple, 410 years in Israel. On the ninth of Av, it was destroyed by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, and then we're now exiled into Iran. It's all happening in Iran. Iran Today, you could argue, are posing a threat to Israel and are saying really not very nice things about the Jews and about Israel. So nothing's changed much. That's what happened over a few thousand years ago where we were there, where the real Purim story proper begins, probably in the Hebrew year. We're now in the year 5781 and the Hebrew year 3395. That was the party when Achashverosh is now celebrating because they've, luckily for us, don't know how to count and they there was a prophecy that the exile was only going to last for 70 years and then when they counted those in their calculation those 70 years and it wasn't 70 years they thought goodbye jews we're now going to be able to destroy the jewish people akasperis has a big party invites us all tragically it says we benefited from it we enjoyed it we partied too much in the wrong way when it was really a a, a party to make fun of the jewish people to ridicule the jewish people using some of the actual vessels from the temple God was not impressed. A big decree came in heaven that we can be truly, genuinely harmed. Achashverosh and Homon together. Achashverosh wasn't some fickle guy. He was, he was a Russia. He was genuinely wicked. And him and Homon plotted together to destroy us, to kill us. A, a seal was signed by the king, which in the spiritual world means that Hashem gave permission for harm to be, to, to be realized to the Jewish people, tragically. And there was, there was a very serious decree, unlike... Even in the Holocaust, when the Jewish people were scattered in the four corners of the earth, the Jewish people were all in a very tiny space around Iran. They could have finished us off good and proper. The army was geared to go. My dear friends, it's a miracle we're here now because there was a strong, the strongest army in the world. It says Akashverosh owned 127 provinces from India to Africa. He, he literally, uh, and, and half of the world he had access to and 
He could have wiped us out like that, and that was the plan. Weirdly, as we're going to see soon, Homon decides to, to, to throw a lottery, to decide the date is going to be via a lottery. He makes this lottery, and it comes to Adar, and he's super happy because he thinks Moses died on that day, which he did on the Zion Adar. The death of our greatest leader will be the death of the Jewish people. That's it, signed and sealed. We're going to be destroyed. Hashem had other plans. Queen Esther becomes unbelievably the queen of this whole empire when there was a vacancy after Ahasuerus killed his wife Vashti. Esther became the queen without them realizing that she was really a Rebetzin. She was actually married to Mordechai as well as being um, his niece. And they had to divorce, says the Midrash, to enable her to now be with Ahasuerus to save the Jewish people. Kind of hidden miracle after hidden miracle after hidden miracle after hidden miracle happens to cut a long story short. In the end, the very gallows that Homan wanted to hang Mordechai, he himself, Baruch Hashem, got hang on those gallows. But more than that, there was actually an amazing war because there's still a war had to still happen. The king signed a, a, a seal that the Jewish people were going to have to go through a war. We went through that war and Baruch Hashem, Benes, miraculously, we won that war and that was it. The Elm Purim itself, we, we, it was officially a day, where we were allowed to make Shlachmanot, we had a big party, we had a feast, it had the, we celebrated a day later in Shushan, which is why in Jerusalem and in Hebron and places with a walled city around it from the time of Joshua, we're going to be celebrating it this year actually on Sunday after Shabbat. And it was the most joyous day. Practically, this is what you need to do, my friends. To, tomorrow, for those who can fast, um, it's the fast of Esther. She fasted. And as the Rambam writes, more important even than the fasting is the doing tshuva. So it's very important to repent tomorrow to do tshuva. Like Esther repented. She, she did tshuva. She got the, the Jewish people doing tshuva. Mordechai made the decree that the whole Jewish people tomorrow does tshuva. It's that one of the reasons why we were allowed to win, obviously. So we, as the Jewish people now, do Shiva tomorrow, we fast tomorrow. Then tomorrow night, one other thing probably to do tomorrow is to say the Tehillim, say the Psalm that Queen Esther said, which is Psalm number 22. For those with a pen and paper, write down. It's number 22, Ayelet Shacha, very, very powerful Psalm, which I recommend you say tomorrow and on Purim itself. Tomorrow night, please try and make sure you try and hear a Megillah. And I know it's COVID times and I know it's really hard and, and, and there's probably Zoom ones. My recommendation though from... from your, your local Orthodox rabbi is to do, if it's legal, to try and find a live reading because through Zoom and through the microphone, let's just say it's not as spiritually powerful. And I definitely recommend, if even if you go to an outside minion, and I know in Israel there's lots of outside readings, whatever you can do to try if, by the way, if you, maybe you've got a friend who knows how to read a Megillah, who's got a kosher Megillah and they know how to read it and they could read it for you, try and do whatever you can to hear kind of a, a legal reading live, if it's all possible. One, tomorrow night, then maybe just give a bit of charity, have a glass of wine, make your own prayer, say maybe again, Psalm number 22, and then ask Hashem, because already the prayers can be answered on Purim, even from tomorrow night, it's the energy's already there. We've got 25 hours of crazy spiritual joy and energy, which we'll explain soon. Then in the morning is when the proper practical mitzvahs start happening which is again, ideally the Megillah first. Number two, to give two food parcels minimum to two people. 
three matanot levionim, gifts, um, charity for the poor. And that's, you should, my mom, as he says, you should spend more money, very much more on charity than food parcels to your friends who probably have lots of food anyway. Which, that we do out of unity, but the charity part is really life-saving and that's really the sign of charity and giving kindness and goodness and emulating Hashem. And that's what really breaks our ego to give Matanot Levionim. And as I said at the beginning, if anyone puts their hands out to you, you just can't say no. It's one day, don't say no. Just even give something. Give five pence, give a shekel, give something. Just don't say no. Please don't say no. And then... Ideally, tomorrow morning, stroke lunchtime, because of Shabbat tomorrow, try and have your party, but a spiritual party, which means, number one, you wash tamotzi lechem in Number two, you try and have meat, even though my wife is not impressed about having meat on, on, on a normal lunchtime. She, like, bans me from ever going to a restaurant with her, which is a meaty restaurant in lunch, but tough tomorrow. Um, before, should I say, um, Friday, Friday lunch, we're going to have some meat. And critically, ya yin, wine, 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 wine. It says in the Halacha Chayiv Inish it's incumbent upon humanity, upon the Jewish people, to drink, to be intoxicated, and then it qualifies it, Adlo Yoda, until you no longer know the difference, my dear friends on Instagram and Facebook, between Aru Haman and YouTube, Haman is cursed and Mordechai is blessed. So you've got to drink until you know longer the difference in Oro Homan and Baruch Mordechai, which we're going to explain, like, what is that about? But basically, it's tafka, wine, not whiskey or vodka or liqueur, wine, 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 wine all the way. You can choose red or white. White is a bit more from the place of chesed. Red is a bit more gavura, maybe mix it up, sometimes red, sometimes white, sometimes maybe mix it a bit, do like the Kabbalists do on, on Seder night, have four cups and you start with much more... Um, white and then you move it more to red whatever works for you but just have lots of wine and enjoy it and this is the key thing this is the key thing learn Torah definitely learn some Torah tomorrow night and Friday have some Torah learning but this is absolutely critical when you're when you've had your wine <clears throat> when you've done your Purim mitzvahs when you've been giving when you're connecting to the spiritual wavelengths at that point Maybe say it to Hillim, number 22, maybe say also 130. Then pray to God and ask for all the things you need. First of all, pray for other people, for your loved ones. <clears throat> pray for humanity, pray for Mashiach. Pray for yourself, really, really pray for yourself. And try and ask yourself, as we're going to speak about doubt soon, the things that maybe you had doubt pre-Purim, ask yourself when you've Slightly worse for wear drinking wise and you're connecting to Hashem, ask yourself, what is the right answer now? Do I still have doubt? And hopefully drink so much that you no, no longer have doubt, as we're going to see soon. Okay, so before we get into the philosophy, any questions on that from a practical perspective? Or if you want, you could ask at the end. Welcome to my friends on Instagram who are watching. Please stay, don't go anywhere. And, and... You could always also subscribe to our YouTube channel, or J Network 613. And then we keep all our talks there the next day. We post it the next day. Here we go. Let's go into the questions. Let's go into some Kabbalah. You ready? Are you ready for some mysticism of Purim? Question number one. The name, Purim. What does Purim mean? Anyone? Do you want to write down now? Come on, let's have a bit of interactivity, everybody. What does Purim mean? Holiest day of the year. What does it mean? While well, I sip my tea. 
Any answers? Or a bit of vodka just to prepare for Purim? L'chaim, l'chaim, everybody. L'chaim, l'chaim. What does Purim mean? Purim means, it says in the Megillah, that Homon said, very good, Ari, right? You're hitting the lottery tonight. By the way, there was a big, isn't it? It's not, can't be just a coincidence. There's a crazy lottery called the Euro Millions. This Friday night, we're about 200 million pounds, not shekels, not dollars, 200 million pounds is up for grabs. So it's really cool. Lottery on Purim, cool stuff. Maybe finally, I'm gonna win. Um, please God, and if I do, I will um, share it with you, my dear friends. Lots of Torah and stuff. So, lottery. So here's the question. Nice to see you're still there, Brian. It's always a worry when someone likes this, they're watching in the beginning, are they still there? Who the heck knows? So now I know. Brian's there, Ori's there, Els are still there. Awesome. I think Katie's there. Listen up. Why on earth are we calling Purim over the mechanism that our arch enemy, the wicked Haman, you can boo now. If I say Haman, you can boo, okay? Haman, can I hear you? He tried to kill us via the lottery. That was his mechanism. That was his strategy for killing us. He said, let's draw lots. Do you know the Kabbalists say, the Kabbalists say, you got the, long, the loud, loudest boost so far, Katie. The Kabbalists say that Homon was an astrologer. He was very spiritually intuitive, meaning he, he wasn't like this thick neo-Nazi skinhead who can't spell. He was very intelligent. He had a plan and his plan was to kill us via a lottery. So why, oh why, oh why? is the happiest day of our year called Purim, named after Homon's, again, I said Homon again, Homon's strategy to kill us. It's a little bit like, sorry for like, maybe if it's not um, that politically correct to say this, but it's Purim, I'll say it anyway, right? Imagine, like we should be calling it Nisachan victory, success, Yeshua. It's almost like saying the day we got liberated from the Holocaust, instead of calling it liberation, we're calling it gas chambers. I told you it's not very uh, politically straight. It's a bit bizarre to say that, but you hear the point. The Nazis tried to kill us via gas chambers. Homon tried to kill us via the lottery. Why on earth are we naming the holiest day of the year Purim, which even Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, so they like Purim. Are they like lotteries? What's the whole lottery shtick? Why on earth are we calling it Purim? We should call it victory, success, unity, Happiness, light. But Purim, why Purim? That's question number one. And therefore, question number two, why is it the holiest day of the year? Surely things are holy when you go to synagogue all day, when you fast, when you act like an angel. We are getting drunk. We are eating. We are interacting. If, you know, the government allows us to, we are indulging in physicality. So... How is that the holiest day of the year? Question two. Question three, why get drunk? You know, you might have thought you're like your mate at, in uni or your mate, your, you know, your dodgy mate that likes to party out the whole time. They're going to be the Yitzhahara in your voice. So come on, let's go and get drunk, get drunk, get drunk. Normally, I don't know about you, but normally 
doesn't normally have the best results of your life when you get drunk. And it's definitely not normally, oh my gosh, I'm so much closer to Hashem, right? You're normally maybe much closer to the toilet seat when you're throwing up or there's other really not very nice stuff that you're closer to, but it's not normally to Hashem. So why would it be that when you get drunk, you're now way more closer to Hashem? Why would the rabbis, why would your rabbi, I'm being your rabbi, Rabbi Hill is saying to you, get drunk on Friday. But like, hello, it's not like some strange summer bar that we're just telling everyone to get drunk. What's going on? Why get drunk? And specifically getting drunk until you no longer know the difference between Aro Haman and Baruch Mordechai. It's, it's mad. It's like get so smashed. You don't know if you're coming or going. You don't, you don't know the difference in good and evil. I mean, that's mad, right? Homon embodies evil. Mordechai is the quintessential spiritual hero. You've got to get so drunk you don't know the difference. The whole point of, of Judaism is about education, not assassination, right? Not about ignorance. So why would you drink to the point where you don't know, you don't know the difference between good and evil? Surely the whole point is to know the difference between your Yitzhahara and your Yitzhah Good. Next question. Why, what's the whole masks thing and dressing up? You saw I put a bit of makeup for me tonight, even, I don't really, it's just a called black eye, right? But you're meant to have makeup or you don't have to have makeup. Some people like to dress up on Purim. What's the whole shtick about that? Why do we dress up? Why is it Mishanichnas Adar Marbin Besimcha? Why is it happiness? What's it got to do specifically with happiness? Happiness, happiness. What's the correlation between Adar, Purim, happiness? And finally, fish. What's the connection to fish? You'd be taught that Adar is the sign called Dagim, Pisces. It's fish. It's the energy of fish. There's something very fishy going on this month. In fact, one of the reasons when Homon got to Adar, he misconstrued the fish as something great. Fish. We eat fish. We devour fish. It's a good sign for him that he was going to devour us. Thank God he was so wrong. He was super wrong and, and he couldn't have got it more wrong. So essentially, what is going on with Purim? What is it all about? So here, let me share with you something hopefully super deep, super hopefully contemporary and practical. And it's going to bring a lot of help and light to your life. And it goes like this. This was Purim. This was Homon's philosophy. He did not believe in ethical monotheism. He did not believe in what we call in Hebrew, Hashkacha Pratit, divine providence. He did not believe that God runs the world. He wanted not merely to destroy the Jewish people, but to destroy the Jewish God. He wanted to take out Hashem. And he was going to take out Hashem with the very reality that we say doesn't exist. You see, he believed in luck. He believes in randomness. He believes in coincidence. Haman believes when you go to a casino... You can get lucky or you're unlucky. The notion of luck. And therefore, he said, not only are we going to destroy the Jews, we're going to destroy them via my philosophy all along. That randomness wins. That we're going to make this random lottery. We're going to pick a month from a hat. And that month is going to be the month that we're going to destroy Judaism from the world. And nothing can stop us because nothing can stop the power of randomness. And we say, you couldn't have got it more wrong, Haman. 
Purim means Hashem's controlling the lottery. Purim in the plural. There's two lotteries, yours and God's. Or Yud Mem refers to the 50th spiritual level. That like we say Yishurun, the Jewish people are going straight to the 50th level. 50 is always denoted, 49 is our spiritual levels, and 50 is the highest, which is really denoting the Kisiyah Kavod, the, the crown of glory. So in a sense, we're saying God's putting the strings. He's running the lottery. Again, let's try and explain. Have you ever thought about, you didn't know what to do? I had a student of mine once who didn't know which university should go, they should go to, so he's like, okay, I'm going to flick a coin, and if it's going to be heads, it's Oxford and Tails, it's Cambridge. I didn't know which one to do, so I'm just going to let the coin decide. True story. And I don't know if you've ever done that. You've ever flicked a coin and let the coin decide. So here's where it's really fascinating. Super fascinating. Listen to this. On one hand, you could argue, Homon would argue, that's allowing randomness to decide. You're, you're going to be lucky, you're not lucky. We say, mm-mm. You see, when we make decisions, that's when it gets a little bit complicated because there's a partnership between free will and providence. So when you actually make a decision, that's where you could argue God isn't 100% involved because he's partnering creation with us and he's enabling us also to have free will. And therefore, when we do a bad thing, sometimes we can't go and say it's God's fault because we did it. And when we do a good thing, we can't say I did nothing because you have free will. So sometimes when you make decisions, God is partnering with you in that. But when you're not making decisions, then it's 100% Hashem. Everything's in the hands of Hashem apart from fear of Hashem. So when you actually flick the coin ostensibly, in theory, then it should be totally Hashem. And by the way, that's for sure we're going to speak about flicking in a coin in a minute, but the Homon's philosophy was there is a reality to randomness. There is a reality to having a coincidence and luck, and that's going to defeat God. Purim means mm -mm. Hashem's in control of the lottery. There is not, no such thing as coincidence. There is no such thing as randomness. So now there's a very beautiful question, which one of my dearest students a guy called Jonathan Benai, if anyone knows him, when he asked me about 15 years ago in a place called Alton Castle, when he was in Birmingham University, a freshman in Birmingham University, an Israeli young boy came up to me and said, Rabbi Hill, why don't we just live our life by the flick of a coin? I actually looked it up, right? They called it, I think, like flip something, right? There's a whole like concept around it. Flippism or something, right? Which is... Why don't you live your whole life like the flip? And when people who say, why don't you live your whole life like the flip of a coin, I think they're going to be in two camps. Some of them will believe because let you be run by luck. Kabbalah will tell you, maybe that's a beautiful way of being run by Hashem. And then you're getting out the way and your ego's getting out the way and your biases are getting out the way. And all of a sudden, you've got almost like a hotline to Hashem, ostensibly. However, we're not allowed to do that. Rabbi Dessler writes that we don't do that. Hashem wants us to have free will in this world. And he wants us to use our intellect. And he wants us to use speaking to mentors and parents and objective people and rabbis. 
and praying and going to give raid sadiqim. We'll get to your question in a minute, Alex, right? But generally, if you have a decision to make, we want you to process this and work it out. Apart from one day of the year, on one day of the year, Hashem is saying, you know what? Let me connect to you. Feel me, Hashem saying. Feel me. Get out the way. Drink so much. Adlo yoda until you no longer know the difference between anything. Meaning, let your gut know. How many of you have good gut feelings? So most people really struggle to really listen to their gut because sometimes the Yitzhahara gets, the lower self gets into their gut. And before you know it, your gut is your ego and your gut is your, your drive for materialism and your drive for power, your drive for envy or for revenge. And therefore that's not a good gut. When we talk about your gut, we're talking about your soul gut, your gut, which is means kind of the, the bridge, the conduit, which connects you to Hashem. If you can get access to that, oh my gosh, you're going to happy days. Happy days! If you can do that, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had access to that the whole time. Whichever way they knew, they literally felt it in their body. They're, they literally felt in their body the Ratzon Hashem, the will of Hashem. That is the way to go. That's our goal. Our goal is to be so in sync, to like be dancing with Hashem that you know the moves that you know where you're meant to be, which country you're meant to be, which person you're meant to be with, which job you're meant to be in. You're so aligned and united, but normally in the year, you've got to do that through hard effort, through work, as we're going to see, spiritual work. But one day of the year, you can just let it all go. You can just drop the act. You can drop the efforts and say, Hashem, now it's all you. You know, the Vilna Gon says, one of the things you can do on Purim is you get drunk so much until you just go to sleep. The Kabbalists say that actually, I heard from Rabbi Gerzi this week, that actually when you sleep, that's one of the highest spiritual levels you can attain. Think about it. Sleep is when prophets received prophecy. Because when you sleep, actually, there's no ego involved. Your Yitzhahara is not around. You're not being distracted. You're not on your phone. There's no physical lusts. You're just sleeping, which really means your, your soul, which is now with Hashem, is uniting with Hashem. And when you're in a beautiful place, you're getting a download. How many, it's all about getting downloads, my friends. Meaning Hashem's downloading to us His desire, His will, His wishes, the right thing to be good, to be kind, to be holy, to be spiritual. And, and just like when you download on your phone, right? For example, you know, you get that iPhone that says, okay, now tonight you're going to get a download. So here's the, the greatest download is coming to you on Purim if you can do all these beautiful things and giving the charity and doing the stalker and doing the prayer and hearing the Megillah and then getting drunk to connect to Hashem. If you're getting drunk, just have a fun and, uh, fun and have a party. It's not going to work. If you're getting drunk, because when you get drunk, you get angry and you get violent, it's definitely not going to work. But if you can get drunk, because I, I, I want to connect to you, God. I'd love to connect to you. Let's see how it works. And then you start drinking for Hashem. And then you get so drunk, you just fall asleep. Download. And even if you don't sleep, you can get the download. 
as we're going to explain soon. So step one was Homon was trying to kill us via the lottery. And Purim means Hashem's in control of the lottery. Right. Alex asked a question about about surely there's no free will. So, again, now's not the time we can go into the, the global talk on free will. I'm happy, Alex, to chat with you anytime about it. And uh, I'll give you a uh, offer now to I can learn with you one on one about free will whenever you want with pledge. But too many questions about free will. You know, Hashem has full knowledge, but yet we have free will. All, all we're saying is we absolutely have free will. You're having free will to, to, to join in tonight. You have plenty of other things, probably some football games to watch, other stuff to do. And yet you're choosing, maybe because Oni said, try and do it. Or maybe because you're choosing, because you have free will. Because you're saying, I'd love to learn some Torah tonight. So that's why you're going to get a tremendous reward because you're genuinely choosing on Purim when you're going to get people going like that to you and you're going to get offers to give charity. When you give charity, it's genuinely you. It's your free will and therefore you deserve to get the download. You deserve, you deserve to become united with Hashem because you're activating the godliness in love. So let's just say for now, Alex, believe me, we have free will. It's, it's the Torah says, that's why we're here, to choose. On, however, there is no such thing as coincidence. So for example, right, when things happen at you, to you, that's ha- only Hashem. So for example, how many times have you sat on, in, 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 in an air, on an airplane and the person that came and sat next to you, all of a sudden you were getting a conversation, maybe a business deal came out. You know, I had a student of mine called Doron and he's tra- traveling in India traveling in India and and then this lovely girl called Zoe girl from Essex comes and sits next to him so you've got this Israeli sitting next to a girl from Essex in the middle of India they start chatting it doesn't take them long to realize they're soulmates what was interesting was he was Jewish she wasn't Jewish he always was only going to marry someone Jewish so that's how they got to me because I helped to, to help become where she learned with my wife and she became converted. And what was amazing is she inspired him to return to his Jewish roots. So that chance, chance, Homan would call it that coincidence of them sitting next to a, to, to each other on a bus in India, Baruch Hashem is left to a new Messiah, a new legacy of Jewish children coming from them both. And she probably was a reincarnation of, of someone, that's why she's come back and, Nothing's by chance. You know, it's amazing how many, you know, I used to travel a lot. How many times when I was in the zone, and it's interesting, when you're in the zone, that's when Hashem sends you all the things you need in life. You have to learn how to get in the zone. Purim is going to help you. Please God, get in the zone. When you're in the zone, when you're in the right place, when you're aligned to the right derech on the right path, Hashem just sends you crazy. So whenever I go on a plane, when I'm in the zone, the people sitting next to me are always, they want to have a whole chat. And in the end, we have these like, crazy spiritual conversations on the flight. And I remember once I was on an LL plane and I was sitting next to this like little two-year-old boy. And that's who was my like passenger, next door passenger. And I was thinking, like, what's, am I gonna like talking about Aleph base? Is it all like, was it the Kabbalah of the Aleph? Like what, so it's gonna be like nursery rhymes. Why does God want me to sit next to you two-year-old? And then it was really funny just before the flight that the stewardess says he's a little bit scared of you. Do you mind if he goes and they mucked up the seats and he goes to sit next to his mother and then the person who's sitting next to his mother came and sit next to me and she was someone from 
London, who actually was part of my community, who then spoke for the next five hours nonstop. And hopefully it was a very spectacular conversation and hopefully really helped her tremendously on her life. Because even the kind of, if Elal up, Hashem will quickly recounter and recalibrate and make sure you're next to the right person. And therefore, if people in your life, let's say you get an email, an offer for like a random email, right? Which isn't from like some dodgy prince in Africa, right? It's, it's a, a good email. It's an email where there's a potential, something gonna come out of it. Things that come out the blue, that's totally a sham. You know, how many of you say to me, Robert Hill, how am I gonna meet my soulmate? Like, I'm in Tel Aviv, no one wants to get married there, impossible. Got news for you. When it's the right time to meet your soulmate, Hashem knows where you are, Hashem knows where you're shopping, Hashem knows where you're walking. If you need to meet them, Hashem will put you in contact, like two Ubers will just move in the same direction. Hashem sends us Ubers right, left and center. When it comes to livelihood, Hashem sends you to the right people. When it comes to relationships, Hashem will send you the right people. When it comes to spirituality, Hashem will send you the right people when you want it, when you're ready. When you're aligned, when you're in the zone. So we don't believe in coincidence. Actually, Homon's great-grandfather called Amalek. You can boo at him as well, Amalek. He believes in coincidence. And that's why the Torah, very ironically, cynically, will say, we read it last week in Parashat Zachar, when it says Amalek comes, it says, we should remember that Amalek comes, Asher Korcha Baderech. Korcha means... They just happen to meet us on the way. So Hashem, Hashem does irony. You listen, you listen to Jeremy Corbyn, right? We do irony, right? Hashem does irony. He says they happen to meet us on the way. Why? Because Amalek, his whole purpose of Amalek is to try and create the facade that there's such a thing as randomness, such a thing as coincidence. A mikre, a mikre. I heard a Kabbalist say to me today, a mikre, the acronym of Mikre is Rakmi Hashem, only from Hashem. How cool is that? We don't believe in Mikre. We don't believe in coincidence. We believe in providence. We believe the God's running the show. Amalek wants to create doubt in your lives, my dear friends, my dear, dear, dear friends. How many of you have got doubts about, is this person the right person to be in a relationship? Am I in the right country? Am I listening to the right rabbi, for sure you are, right, etc. You're, you're in doubt. Amalek, the numerical value of Amalek is 240. The Hebrew word for doubt, Safek, is 240. It's not, that's mad, by the way. It's amazing gematria because it's telling you that's who Amalek is. They are there. They are purveyors. They are masqueraders of doubt. And therefore, our job is to learn to move away from doubt. How? How do you get out of doubt? How do you get out of doubt? How do you get that intuition? That's godly intuition, that you know you're doing the right thing. And by the way, in the Torah, sometimes it would do, it would actually do the lottery. Do you know that? The Torah says for, to give out the inheritance of Israel to each tribe, it says in the Torah, Hashem said, do a lottery. So Reuven gets his lot and Shimon does his lot and you know, someone's, and it's amazing. And there was another lottery about called the, the Sir, Sir Lazazel, the, the goat that was thrown off the cliff, which was going to hell on Yom Kippur to atone for our sins. There was a lottery of that. Why? Because when it comes to very delicate things, Hashem wants to say, leave this to me. 
just leave this, they actually don't get involved. It's a bit like you've got a, like a micromanager ever that will say, you know what, this project's too important, leave this one to me. There are, there, I don't want your free will to get in the way. So, so sometimes Hashem will say that. And by the way, I know many stories of, of certain tzaddikim at a certain time realized they're meant to get their free will out the way and do a goral and do a lottery. So for example, the great Vilna Gaon developed a lottery called the Goral Agra, the lottery of the Vilna Gaon, where it was all about the Chumash and, and opening up in a certain unique way. And, and if you open up in a unique way, eventually you get an answer. It's kind of like finding God's email address. It's pretty cool. We're not allowed to do that nowadays unless you're on that enlightened level because we could cause trouble with it. But if you're the tzaddik, then you know how to do it. So there was a big tzaddik called Rabbi Yaakov Kabinetsky, who, who sorry, um, Aaron Cutler. Aaron Cutler was asked by a great rabbi called Moshe Feinstein to come with him to, to America to build up the Jewish community. Anyone from America there? So a lot of Jews in America were built up by the amazing leadership of Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Aaron Cutler. And Rav Aaron wanted to know, should he go or not? Should he go? And he didn't, because he always wanted to live in Israel. Really, you should live in Israel. Everyone should live in Israel. Big, big call. And he didn't want to, he just wanted to go straight to Hashem and just ask Hashem. So he did this radical thing called the Goral Agra. And this is what he came to. You ready? To the verse that he came to in the Bible when he opened up the Bible the right way. This is what he came to. Vayomer Hashem el Aaron. God says to Aaron, his name is Aaron. Leich El Moshe Bamidbara, go to Moses in the desert. Couldn't have been clearer. Moses, Moshe Feinstein was saying to him, come with me to the desert, to America. And you've got to literally, and that's what he did. He, he listened to Hashem. Now, again, we're not really allowed to do that. Because we, we, we don't know how to handle the power of that. But even for us, my dear friends, there are times that if you're really tuned in, you know, you can open up to Hillim. And you'll, you'll turn to the exact Tehillim that Hashem wants you to say. You can open up the Siddha. You'll turn to the Siddha. You can come up to the Chumash. Funnily enough, when you do something random, it's more of an opportunity that Hashem now can access you without your free will getting in the way. The Talmud says, really, every time you open a Siddha to that for Tadavan, it should be exactly on the right place. And the Tzadik, any time you just stumble to the right place, that's actually an ordeal. That's a challenge because you don't, you're not on it. You know, just personally for me, if I'm ever really tuned into Hashem, like really connected, it's amazing. I literally just time and time again open the sitter. And it's crazy. Like I have like big sitters, you know, a thousand pages. And just to open to the exact right page, that's not rational. That's not logical, right? There's no probability that you're going to keep doing that. And, and, and many people keep doing that when they're tuned in. And I'm sure that's something that's happened to you many times. And if it's not, then up your spiritual game and then it will so we see that we believe in the notion that Hashem's in control of the lottery but yet how now do we get out of doubt because as we said the belief in randomness and coincidence and the fact that you're all alone and and it's down to you that leads you into a state of doubt but really Hashem's with you and Hashem's running the show and he's like the puppeteer and everything around you is moving around. So actually, chill out. Don't worry about the money because you're going to get the money you need. It was decided last Rosh Hashanah what money is going to come to you. If any of you are like struggling, how am I going to get married? Relax. Have a mona and Hashem because it's going to, they're going to come into your life at the right time. 
But how are you meant to get out of doubt? So I'd like to give you just a few key strategies. And again, for Amalek, he says, the word karach also means cold. Because what Amalek, oh, nice to see you, Lani. What Amalek also wants to do is dampen your enthusiasm. It's amazing to make it cold. They try and like take out some of the fire that we have in our connection to Hashem. That's Amalek's job. So what's the way to refute Amalek? What's the way to get out of Safek? And now we start understanding Simcha. There's a great mystic called Ramosha Islis says the greatest happiness is Kahataras Hasfekas, the removal of doubt. What I might put in present to you, my dear friends, I'm going to give you a few techniques how to get out of doubt, and then that leads to tremendous happiness. Because think about it, how many times in your life have you not been happy? Maybe right now you're listening to me, but you're not truly happy because you've got doubt. You don't have clarity. So let me give you a few strategies of how to get clarity and thus how to have the simcha that's coming to you now in the month of Adar in stereo. So here we go. Number one. Number one. Honestly, make these lists. If you've got doubt, make the pro list, the cons list, write them down, be objective, see them in front of you. We call it hispoinenus. Hashem's giving you a brain. Use it. Problem is sometimes we use our ego and we're using our Yitzhahara and we're using our envy and we're not having clarity and objectivity because we're not being objective. But if you can get to a place of what's called hispoinenus, where you're just taking it calmly and you're making that list and you're writing the list on the, on the right, all the pros for it should be this, and then you're writing the cons. From a logical perspective, you can start building that picture. That's number one. Obviously, it's really important you take your negias out of it. You take your bias out of it. So if you feel you've got very unhealthy biases which are moving you towards a certain wrong decision you've got to obviously have self-awareness for that so that's number one his bonus number two i would say is torah the more you learn some torah that's why even on purim just make sure you spend some minutes learning torah that's going to start aligning you to, to ms to truth torah is ms Moshe ms for sarasa ms truth the problem is we're so far away from truth how many of us are spending so much time on Netflix and, and, and Amazon Prime and this and that and, and our, our head is getting so full with media and society and Facebook and Instagram, even though I'm on it. But the point is that we can be so far away from MS, tragically into the world of lies. And of course, we don't have clarity. So we need to reverse and get into that world of truth by, by learning Torah, which is full of truth and it's going to make us clean, it's gonna make us holy, it's gonna purify our mind, it's gonna take away the power of the Yetzirah. It says the Yetzirah hates him more than anything when you learn Torah. It says when the Yetzirah is strong, it says drag him to the base of Medrash, because when you start learning, he has to go away. Like now, if you're really tuned into me, please God, your Yetzirah shouldn't be there, because we're just now learning words of Torah. So when you're learning words of Torah, you're aligned to truth, you're aligned to Hashem, your soul right now should be now tuning in to oneness, Tuning in to Hashem, tuning in to truth. Right now, you should be now getting more and more in a place of total clarity and logic, please God. So learn Torah. Number three, pray and pray for clarity. There's a Tehillim, I recommend number 27. King David writes, Hashem, Hashem, show me the way. Pray to Hashem, meaning the greatest free will you can do is actually give it over to Hashem and say, Hashem, I need your help. When you pray and you say, Hashem, give me clarity. That's going to really, really help. I always tell people I recommend 
those in Israel, you're so lucky, you go to the Western Wall. And you go to the Western Wall and say, Hashem, let's say there's, you know, there are these two girls, guys, you're saying, I don't know, should I, should I go and should I marry Debbie or Miri? Debbie or Miri? I don't know, Hashem, Debbie or Miri? So you go to the Kotel and you say to him 27, you say, Hashem, which one's my soulmate? Is it Debbie? Is it Miri? And you should just know. You should just know. You just have that gut in, you just know. Because you can't lie to Hashem there. You can't lie to yourself there. It's a mirror of truth. Another place you can go to is a cave of a tzaddik, the grave of a righteous. Grave of a tzaddik, and you, and you, and you daven obviously to Hashem, you advocate the tzaddik to advocate for you. And in the place of such holiness, you should have truth. You can do it in, the, in your synagogue. You go to the ark, you go to the Aranakodas, you go to the ark there, you go to a place of holiness, a place which takes you out of the facade of nature. Amalek and Haman try and say, there's no such thing as oneness in God. What there is is just things and the material and the natural and kind of the six, what I call the six sides of the cube. Six is a very physical number. Seven is Shabbos. Seven is you've got the six sides of the cube, but then you've got the inner, the, the middle. You've got the seven. You've got Hashem, which is running it all. We, we're, we're the people of the seven. So really, we're eight because of transcendence. But what I'm getting at is when you can align yourself to Hashem, if you do it on a Shabbos, if you do it when you're learning, if you do it after you've learned Torah, if you go to a Tzaddik, you can get to that, you can get to that clarity. And Emunah, Emunah is going to help you really get, letting go of worry. Every time you worry, it shows you're not going to have clarity because then you're holding on to the problem because you think you can solve the problem. But Rabbi Desta says, you should never worry. Worry is paralyzing. Worry is dangerous. Worry is toxic. Just give it up to Hashem. If you just give it up to Hashem, you don't have to worry about anything. As King, as King David writes, Hashleich Hashem, cast your lot off to Hashem and he will sustain you. So you've got to do that. And I, or, and this is the radical and really to be done only on Purim, get drunk for Hashem. Meaning, and this is the point of why we drink. It says, When wine comes in, secrets come out. Why I mentioned about the number seven is because the numerical value of yayin is 70. What's up, Rivka? Thank you for joining us. The, the holy, holy relics and Rivka. Hashem should bless you tremendously. Find your zivog immediately, through the Kayach of Purim. So, yayin, yud, yud, nun, comes to 70. Which the Maharal says really is seven. The word in Hebrew for secret, sod, samach, vav, dalit, 60 plus 6 plus 4 is also 70. Which means wine and secrets are the same. When you drink wine, that's why please tomorrow don't, don't have cocktails, don't have vodka, don't have scotch, have wine. Have some wine. You can even have like the really girly wine like we have, like the Batonora wine here. Right? And it's even very sweet. So, so have wine because wine is what's going to bring the truth why because you're unlocking hashem's voice to you you're locking unlocking hashem's hashem has a secret to you and it's called himself and it's called truth and it's called helping you fulfill your potential but our ego is getting in the way time and time again purim is a time we can take off the mask and that's why we wear masks to denote that hashem is wearing masks but, the, but it's really Hashem. As Robert Tatz always puts it, if you go to a fancy dress party, if you go to a fancy dress party 
and, and you see someone in fancy dress, once you know who it's there, you take off the mask, unless it's during Corona, and then you go, still, still gotta wear masks. But, sorry for that pun, right? But when you take off, when you know it's Hashem, Hashem can take off his mask. So on Purim, we wear masks to denote that Hashem is wearing masks, but to know that Hashem is hiding behind the mask. When you start drinking, Hashem starts taking off the mask. When you start drinking, watch what happens. You can't lie anymore. And really, if you do it from a spiritual place, your fears go away. You start detaching. You start letting go. Letting go. As we had a beautiful talk on Sukkot, go to our YouTube, let go to let God. When you're starting to drink, you're letting go and you're letting God. You're drinking, you're letting the eat, you're letting your worries go, you're letting your control go. You're saying, Hashem, I'm all yours, whatever you want. And that leads to happiness and that leads to detachment and that leads to your ego now getting involved because here's the paradox. Sometimes less is more. If you're in a situation with someone and you're getting a bit angry, please don't speak. By not speaking, by disengaging, you're genuinely engaging. Silence is truly golden. It says in Pirkei Avot, Sometimes when you do less, when you step back, when you shut the ego up, when you close it up, when you just let go, then you're letting Hashem in to do His magic. And that's the idea. And that's why you can even just simply, after you've had a few glasses, go to sleep, and then you start getting downloads because you're no longer in the way. Now Hashem's tuning into you through what we call His spotless. You've totally eroded your ego. You see, we're the problem. Many times when you have confusion, it's not that there's confusion, it's that you're confused, meaning you're confused. Benji, you don't have to do the Arak shots, just do wine shots, mate. Who needs Arak on Purim? You have Arak on Shabbat, but on Purim, just more, I want you to, I want you to get to such level of truth. My dear friend, Benj Nassim, I don't want you getting confused with, with Iraq, right? We just need sod, we need secrets, we need the seven. We need number seven, we need Hashemness to come out. Not uh, the gematria of Iraq is 301, which complicates things, okay? So we just, just it's true by the way, right? But we just yain, just yain bench. So the point is what we're trying to get at. In Kabbalah, we call it the Moichin de Godless. We want you to expand your consciousness. We want you to get a, a place of higher consciousness. Chag Purim Benado. We're getting to a place of higher consciousness. You see, when you're like, and this is my problem, I'll be honest. Can I be a little bit, bit of a party pooper? A lot of people are probably not this year, but generally when they're doing their Purim parties, I'm not seeing enough what I call moichen de godless. I'm seeing moichen de katnus. Moichen de katnus means lower consciousness. When you're being just frivolous and silly and the boys are chirpsing and flirting and, and they're being vulgar and they're swearing and there's anger and there's vomiting, that's not Purim. That's the last thing you want to do. I cringe when I see it. It's like, Hashem. This is not what Hashem is asking for. But if you can do it in a refined way, in, 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 in a beautiful place. So you go to a holy place and there's beautiful holy music playing and you just let yourself go and you just, 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 just you and Hashem. It's just you and Hashem and you're doing it to get close to Hashem and you're doing it to erode your ego and you're doing it to avoid, to, to destroy doubt, to destroy Safek, which is Amalek. We're doing it to destroy Haman. It says, where is Haman in the Torah? 
Do you know where Haman in the Torah, the Gemara says, in with Adam and Eve, after we sinned, the first thing after we sinned, Hashem says, Hamin ha'etz. Did you really eat from the tree? Hamin is a question. Hamin is a rhetorical, delusionary question. Purim is about the answers, not the questions. Purim is just about truth. Purim is just about being with Hashem and putting your ego aside. Even the word Esther says in the Gemara, where's Esther from? It says, because it says in the Torah, I hide my face. Esther's about the revelation of Hashem hiding, which is what Megillat Esther actually means, revealing. Megillah doesn't just mean a scroll, it means revelation, revealing that Hashem is hiding. That's what you get a chance to do. You, you get a chance that Hashem comes out of his hiding place on Purim, if you so wish, if you can drink in a firm way, drink, drink in a holy way, drink in a godly way, drink in a beautiful way. And if you, it says, if you want to know what someone's really like, and girls, listen up to this. If you've got like a guy and trying to think, is he the one? Three ways, says the Talmud, to find out if, a, if someone's right for you. Number one, this chaf samach has, this letter chaf samach has three Hebrew words attached to it. Bekisay, how you are with money, from the word kiss. Bekosay, how you handle your alcohol, my vodka. And Bekaso, how you are with anger, under pressure. And that's the thing. When you see someone drinking, it's a beautiful way to find out what they're really going on under you. So if you're in a place where you are in a stressed place and you're kind of an angry drunk and when you drink, you get, and then please don't drink. Last thing you should drink. Don't drink, just, just pray right and, and have water and and speak to me and read the book called Egeres Ramban, where the Ramban tells his son to chill out and how not to ever have anger but once you've got rid of anger once you get into a you're a beautiful drunk there was this drunk in in Gateshead my dad told me in yeshiva where he there was a boy who who people kind of used to make fun of him they thought you know he really struggled to learn he was a bit of an oddbod he was a bit of an outsider and one Purim he got so drunk all of a sudden he revealed who he really was, this great Talmudic sage. He's, re he's reciting Talmuds off by heart because, because, and I've been in those places on Purim with great mystics and their Torah is even more enchanting. And actually, if you know something about a, a mystic, during the year, they really generally don't reveal much to you. It's very hidden, very hidden. You know, the Tzaddik that I'm connected to, Rav Hillel, really no one can see it much. On Purim, that's one day they let themselves go a little bit. And all of a sudden, the amazing pearls of Torah starts coming out. Pearls of secrets. They start looking at you, telling you about your aura, telling you about your reincarnation, telling you crazy stuff because it's a day of revealing secrets. Today, and please God, I give you a blessing to merit to spend Purim with some of these very, very great Sadiqim one day. But for now, you're spending it just with you and your loved ones. Just try and drink for Hashem. Drink to gain clarity. And see what happens. And then if it just means you're going to go to sleep and get a download, awesome. But here's the point. Take the lesson after Purim. So during Purim, you have that drink. And let's say you have a question. You ask Hashem, is, is it A or B? You know, is it Debbie or Miri? Is it Pete or Fred? Whoever your dilemma is. Is it Oxford or Cambridge? Is it being a lawyer or an accountant? Is it Tottenham or Arsenal? Whatever your debate is, ask yourself that question on Purim and just see if you can feel the answer. This isn't the time, and that's why Code of Jewish Law says, drink ad de lo yoda, until you're no longer thinking anymore. 
until you're no longer intellectualizing spirituality, until you're no longer in your thoughts, start to be in your heart and in your soul and in your gut. Start to have experiences. That's the goal of Purim, where you can now not just know Hashem, but feel Hashem. And you're so tuned in, you just simply know the truth. So that's my recommendation for you. Just to conclude, I'd like to share with you some amazing Bible codes. So don't go anywhere because this is the best part. So here we go. It says in the Esther was a prophetess. And even though actually, I don't know if you're aware, she didn't, she wasn't the final editor of the Megillah, but her and Mordechai kind of, it was their book. They wrote it, but then it was written again by the men of the great assembly during the second temple. But they wrote it with prophecy. They wrote it with Ruach HaKodesh. They could see into the future. There's tremendous, tremendous secrets. It's a book of hidden mysteries. In fact, it's the only book in the Bible where God's name isn't overtly revealed. Isn't that amazing? Like for the Bible, God's pretty up there in terms of mentions, right? But apart from the Megillah, if you read the Megillah, you won't see God, but what I want you to do, you know, hey, Leila, nice to see you. You can stay for this part. This is a new topic. Please stay. That, Leila Tov. So listen to this. Tomorrow night when you read the Megillah, whenever it says the word, the king, it's referring to Hashem, says the Maharala Prague. It's not referring to King Achashverosh. When Esther writes Melech Achashverosh, it's referring to the wicked King Achashverosh. But just when it says Hamelech, it's referring to the king. So I have a... Uh, I'll give you a prize if anybody can tell me an answer of what, what it means when it says that the king and Homon sat down for a drink. That means Hashem and Homon sat down for a drink. Tell me what that means. Right, and it's amazing when you start looking at the Megillah, knowing that the code word for the king is actually referring to Hashem. Amazing when you read it. So let me share with you a bit of the Megillah and show you a crazy, blow your mind, change your life forever, Bible codes. And it goes like this. If you've got your Megillah with you, go to chapter 9, verse 5 to 14. And it's the part about the five sons of Haman. Can you see that? It's the five sons of Haman. So let me read to you what it says. It says that, thank God we won the war. And in Shushan, the capital, the Jews slew and annihilated 500 men, including the 10 sons of Haman. So 510 men, 500 men and part of those 500 with the 10 sons of Haman. And here's the problem. She wrote, if you can see there, can you see that? A parshandosa, the penultimate letter of the tof, she wrote with a small tof. She wrote over here, parmashosa, a small shin, and vayasosa, a small zion. And for 2,000 years, we had no clue why on earth Esther wrote a small tof, a small shin, and a small zion. Why did you do that, Queen Esther? What are you chatting with us? And more than that, she wrote a large vov. Why is she writing the large vov? No one knew. No one knew. And even the greatest Kabbalists, the Ariza, they didn't reveal. They probably knew. They definitely knew. But they didn't reveal. They didn't reveal. And then if you read the story, it says the following. It says after that, it says, Now you'll know. Well, who's Hamelech? Anyone who's Hamelech? It's Hashem. So Hashem says to Queen Esther, You've now killed the ten sons of Hamon. Whatever you request, 
you'll get given, which is, by the way, why you should make a request on Purim. Because the same, Hashem's going to say to you, whatever you request, I'm going to give you. Whatever you request, and make sure you request something good. Request good. Request good things for your soul. Don't request good things for your ego. Request good things for your soul. And this is what Esther requested. Of all the things to request, this is what she requested. She says, Please Hashem. And that's why you should answer Hashem tomorrow. You say, If it pleases Hashem. In the future, tomorrow. Can you also do in the future what you did today? It says in verse number 13, chapter 9. Esther says to Queen, Queen Esther says to the king, Hashem, can you also once again hang the ten sons of Homon on the tree again. And the question is, what is going on? So again, to Achashverosh, it really makes no sense because they're just dead already. She's just killed them. He wants to like, kill them again. That's a bit sadistic. And if it's to Hashem, like, they're dead already. So why is your big request to kill people that are already dead? So this is what she's referring to. First of all, you should know that the real, as we said, the real story between Homon and Mordechai, the story between Jews and anti-Semites really begins with Yaakov and Esau. And then Esau has a direct great-grandson called Amalek, which I said to you is about doubt. And they tried to kill us after the splitting of the Red Sea. And they had a direct grandson called Agag and then Haman. So Haman's coming from that. But this is what's crazy. In the Talmud Megillah, page six, it says, where will Haman one day go and reside? Where's he going to come back? He's going to have a comeback. He's going to be reincarnated and he's going to come back again. Where's he going to? And the Talmud, and you couldn't make this up. It's written 2000 years ago and you can check it out. Please don't take my word for it. Check it out in Talmud Megillah, page number six. Where's he going to come? It says Germamia. He's going to come to Germamia. Germamia and Rashi on the page, just for any ambiguity, say Zergamamia Shalanu. That's, our, that's the, the Germany in Europe. One day, Homan's coming back to Germany. It's coming back to Germany. Coming back to Germany. We believe that the Nazis are very much descendants of Homon. Big time. Big time. There was a... See if I can find it. Adolf Hitler himself. Adolf Hitler himself said some crazy stuff. First of all, the Talmud writes that because he wants to knows maybe some of you are cynical, like, what are you chatting about, Rabbi? Really? Bible codes? Do we do Bible codes? Watch this. The Talmud writes in Megillah that the time when they're going to come back, there'll be 300 crown princes in Germany at the time. 300 crown princes. Why does it say 300 crown princes? Because it's telling us when Homon's going to come back. What happened during the Nazi Germany, if you look at the rise and fall of the Third Reich, it says Germany now remains a crazy patchwork of some 300 individual states. Germany now got to 300. Now we're ready. Homon's now in. Homon's now in the club. Stuff that Homon, you know, Homon used to say, in the Megillah you're going to read tomorrow, Homon's going to say, even though he was number two in command, he had everything. 
He said, None of this is worth anything to me as long as I see that evil Mordechai sitting at the gate of the palace. He just hated Jews so much. He hated us. He hated our any success that we would have. He couldn't tolerate it. And actually, Adolf Hitler, may his name be desecrated, had the absolutely same philosophy. You know, a, a let me read to you an expert from one of his classics. Hitler says, it's true we are barbarians. It's an honorable title. I free humanity from the shackles of the soul, from the degrading suffering caused by the false vision called conscience and morality. And he writes, the Jews, that's us guys, have inflicted two wounds on mankind, circumcision on its body and conscience on its soul. These are Jewish inventions. And then he goes on to say something chilling, but he was so right because this was his kind of sole purpose. The world, the war for world domination will be fought entirely between us, the Germans and the Jews. All else is a facade and an illusion. And he's absolutely right. That's what it's about. It's, it's a battle between good and evil. And our job, as we said, is to align to goods and to project good and light into this world. And he hated that and tried to destroy us and probably lost the Second World War because of his fixation on destroying the Jewish people. So this is a part from New York Times. He writes here, Goering ends life by poison, 10 others hang. So I'm sure you've all heard of something called the Nuremberg Trials. You've all heard of that. Nuremberg Trials, 10 were hung. Goering commits suicide. Newsweek, we're there. If you look at Newsweek, we're there. I'll give you a quote from Newsweek where it says, Julius Streicher writes, not writes, Julius Streicher was going to the gallows. You see, when each of the Nazis went to the gallows, they normally went screaming, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. But Julius Streicher was the propaganda minister. And Newsweek are writing this, went to his death with a very strange word. Do you know what he said to all of you? He said, happy Purim! He said the word Purim. He said Purim 1946. Purim is a Jewish feast. Purim fest. He wished you all having a happy Purim. Why is Julius Streicher talking about Purim? Because it wasn't Purim. The day that he died actually was Sukkot, which we're going to see soon. It was actually Hoshana Rabbah. It was the last day of Sukkot. So he, and he would have known he was the propaganda minister who knew a lot about our Torah and our mitzvot. And you would know it's not Purim. So why on earth did he say Purim? Let me share with you why I believe he said Purim. Listen to this. What did I tell you was the Bible codes that Esther put? For some reason, she put a little tough. She put a little shin. She put a little Zion. And that, my friends, was the Hebrew year when they got killed. In 1946, October 1946, tough, shin, Zion. Let me explain. First of all, they were meant to have been killed the year earlier. They were meant to be killed before Rosh Hashanah. But after pleas of amnesty, which is kind of ironic that these disgusting human beings should be able to even have their plea delayed, like we sh mercy was shown them, a thing that they didn't show to others. It should have been in the year Tovshin Vav, before Rosh Hashanah. It should have been before Rosh Hashanah. But Hashem and Esther knew, obviously, Esther knew more than the lawyers knew a few months before. And Esther knew it would actually happen in Tovshin Zion. So she was writing to us, Hashem, next time, the 10 sons of Haman come again. Let's hang them on the gallows again. That's crazy. How many, can you think of any other time in, in history of the world where the punishment for people were not just hanging, but 10 people got hanged on the gallows? 
that's a bit mad. That's really that 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 that's really man mental, right? So the ten we believe that the ten people that were killed were reincarnations of the ten sons of Homon on the Tovshin Zion. Let me tell you something about Tovshin Zion. The way we count in Judaism is number one to nine hundred ninety nine. And then every millennia, we start again. So Toph is numerical value 400. Shin is numerical value 300. Zion is numerical value 7. Happens in the year 707, okay? It's in the year 707. But we've actually had it six times. Because the first 707 was with Adam and Eve. And then the second 707 was during the time after Noah's flood. And the third 707 was when we were coming into Israel, etc., etc. So Esther, for any cynics amongst you, wanted to say, by the way, I'll give you the exact date when it's going to happen. It's going to come to Shin Zion. And what does she put? She puts the other Bible code, the large Vov. She puts a large number Vov to teach you. And it will be in the sixth millennia. That's when Homon's coming back. Homon comes back as Adolf Hitler in Germany when it's 300 states. And there'll be 10 sons. And they're all going to be hung again on the gallow. Esther Hashem, let it, make sure we win the Holocaust. Make sure they don't destroy us. Make sure we do have liberation. Make sure you actually kill the 10 sons of Homon again. And you know what's really interesting? There should have been 11, not 10, right? There should have been 11. That would have spoiled it. I couldn't have really told you this. If there was 11, I would have had to say it's 11, not really 10. So Herman Goering committed suicide. I'll tell you my theory. Rabbi Hill's theory is, it says in the Megillah, that Homon had a daughter... And the daughter committed suicide. If you look up about Hermann Goering, he was found wearing women's clothing when he died. Just saying. Who knows, maybe he was the reincarnation of Homan's daughter who's committing suicide. And the other 10 lovices were Homan's 10 sons. And by the way, it happens on Shminiat. It happens on Hushan Rabbah, the Zohar. The great Zohar, Shem Yochai, writes, what is Hoshana Rabbah for? This is what he writes. That's the day where the judgments of the nations of the world are finalized. Sentences are issued from the residence of the king, the Meleth. Judgments are aroused and executed on that day. So that's why Hashem chose that day, because that's the day that Hashem executes any judgments that were outlined. So what I'm saying is the Purim story continues and as Julius Strike himself said, the conclusion really of the Purim story happened during 1946 in October. But what I'd like to share with you is the mystics say that Purim continues not only every year, but when Mashiach comes, that will be the day of the most light. I mean, there's a cryptic statement which says the only festival we'll have will be Purim. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe says it doesn't mean it will only be Purim, but it means that Purim, listen to this, let's see if hopefully we're intoxicated now to understand it, we're connected enough to Purim to understand it. Purim is so holy, it's a day of revealing the hidden divine that that will be the light that will illuminate all our Jewish calendar more than any year, any day of the year. Because that's the day when Hashem doesn't hide anymore at all. On Yom Kippur, we've got to kind of ascend to the level of an angel we can't through the body through physicality connect to Hashem Purim's a day that if you play it right if you have the right kavanah if you have the right intention you can erode your ego and you can get to a place of beautiful spiritual bliss 
the right way. You can connect to Hashem the right way. And I give you a blessing that please God, all of you should be able to do that. I'm wishing you all a tremendously happy Purim. It's really interesting in the Torah, we call the Bnei Yisrael. In the Megillah, we keep calling One of the words of means gratitude from the word Hoda'ah. So it's really, I believe, also a very important day to be grateful, feel grateful. The more you're feeling grateful, the more you're expressing gratitude, you're really receiving light, you're receiving bounty, you're receiving blessing. Please God, all of you should get super drunk in a good way. Get the download from Hashem. And please God, receive tremendous salvations and blessings for the whole world. Happy Purim, everybody. Happy Purim, happy Purim. Happy to take questions now. I'm done. I'm finished. Uh -uh, that's a wrap. Any questions? It's, it seemingly says Lani about Purim. It's, there's something unique about Purim. How crazy was that, Katie? Have you heard of that before about the Bible codes? Mad. By the way, I'm going to put on my on my Facebook tomorrow, like one of my friends made a little 10 minute video clip of that Bible code stuff. So it's easy to see. But also you could forward that video tonight to anyone. Brian, it's so nice to see you. Looking forward to seeing you soon in Israel, my man. Give you a hug soon. Hope you're well. Any questions or anything? Anyone want to share? Anybody? Nice to see you, Josh. And anyone want to like come on and share some wisdom with us? Because like, lama la. Anyone? Why does Shem let them back? Good question, Katie. I guess like a whole different talk. Unfinished business. And we probably messed up, Katie. We, we let them back in. Not that Shem let them back in. You know, when we're not doing our job. Sure, Alex, anytime, mate. I, I, I owe you a session chatting about free will. I'm all yours. Um, yeah, any other questions? Els, you've written the Megillah there, mate, like the Megillah of Esther. So when we're finished, I'm going to have to go through the Megillah that you've written and uh, I'll reply back to you, as I do in time. Definitely not, Bench. Definitely not. He's, he's in hell. He's properly now the soul of Hitler himself. Is, uh, Hamon is in the lowest place in hell. It's called S-H-E-O-L. That's the name. I don't want to say it out at night. You're not meant to say that name out at night. And please God, never to be seen again. They're kind of done now. Problem is, there's another enemy now, which I don't want to go into that now. But anyway, I like to take responsibility. We've, it's our only eight Sahara. We've got a battle. And if we can get rid of that, our enemies just evaporate. They just go. That's the way to combat anti-Semitism. By pro-Semitism. By us doing our job in a beautiful way, in a loving way, in a united way, in a peaceful way. That brings our enemies, doesn't give them any any weaponry. Yeah, my friends, thank you so much. Really, really happy, happy, happy Purim if you've got any questions about it or if you uh, have really cool drunk experiences, please let me know about it next time. I will, um, next Sunday night, kind of like the three-day uh, Purim, three-day hangover, we're going to do a Path of the Just on Sunday night at eight o'clock my time. Actually, in a different group, you can find me on Facebook doing a, an instruction to Kabbalah of Love for those who haven't done yet Kabbalah of Love on Sunday night. And then next Wednesday night with Hashem's help, please go to will be with a rebuilt Yerushalayim, especially after the Purim we're going to have. But if God forbid Mashiach hasn't yet come, we'll be, please God, on again Wednesday night next week. Same time, same place. God bless everybody. Happy Purim. Really wishing you a really happy Purim.